Hello, and welcome to the RevOps Spot, the show that goes deep into the world of revenue operations to deliver applied insights you can use to grow your business. I'm your host, Chris Bayliss, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Charles Proctor. Hi, Charles. Hi, Chris. It's Charles here again, and enjoying these spots we're doing. Excellent. Yeah, so let's think about today's episode. So, what we're going to do today is go a little bit deeper than normal. You can let us know in the comments at the end whether it's uh, it was too deep. Um, and talk about the concept of think- systems thinking and how it applies to RevOps. Now, the systems thinking approach is, in our humble opinion, the cornerstone of successful revenue operations. So we wanted to spend some time focusing on it and hopefully get you interested enough to read some more about it. Uh, and to that end, um, we're going to be offering listeners the chance to win a book that's going to help them understand everything they need to know about systems thinking. So be sure to listen all the way to the end for some details. Um, and of course, if you're thinking in systems, you shouldn't really be separating out, separating out even the people, processes, data, and technology that kind of makes up a system, particularly in the revenue operations world. But what we're going to do is try and unpack each briefly to ensure that we really understand how they contribute to become that whole which is the system and at the start we're going to look into the theory of systems thinking and really why it tells us and what the evidence is that it's crucial not to think about the components of a system separately so let's do it so what i'm actually going to start with is a quote and not a quote about systems thinking necessarily but more of a quote about problem solving that's actually from the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. So um, a treatise from philosophy, I guess. But but what it says, I think, tells us a lot about how we consider the system. Indeed, it actually talks about the system in the quote. And, and that quote is, if a factory is torn down, but the rationality which produced it is left standing, then that rationality will simply produce another factory. Similarly, if a revolution destroys a government, but the systematic patterns of thought that produce that government are left intact, then those patterns will repeat themselves. There's so much talk about the system and so little understanding, says Robert Persig. Now, I think that's true. That's absolutely true. There is, I think, a lack of fundamental understanding about what a system is because we use the word system so interchangeably, you know, we, uh, particularly in the context of technology. So what we're going to do here is just try and dig a little deeper into the system. And what we're going to be using here is Danella Meadows, for me, seminal text on systems thinking called Thinking in Systems. And I'll leave you to read it yourself. She starts describing systems thinking with an analogy of a slinky, which I'll leave you to read yourself. But really the central insight that you kind of pull from that is that once you see the relationship between structure and behavior, then you can start to understand how systems work, what makes them produce poor results, and then how to shift those kind of behaviors into better patterns. Uh, So to, to unpack that a little bit, really what we're talking about is the fact that the components of the system create a structure, and that structure creates behavior. So if we want to modify behavior, which ultimately is what we're trying to do, in the world of revenue operations, we're trying to be more efficient, do better, grow more revenue, which is making people do things. Then you have to understand how those component parts contribute to those behaviors. So maybe we should go back a step and define what a system actually is. So whether that's in business or in nature, so whether it's people, cells, molecules, whatever, ultimately they're interconnected in a way 
that produces their own patterns of behavior over time. And really what that means is the overtime bit is really critical, that whether that system's, you know, moved around, buffeted by outsized forces, the system itself actually can respond in a way that is characteristic of itself to those forces. And, and again, to unpack that a little bit, what that really means to us is that when we talk about what we want from our technology and when what we talk about what we want from our system and what we want for our business and our employees, really we're talking about the things that shape the behavior of our teams. So a bad CRM is going to cause bad behaviors in your sales team. They're going to look for workarounds. You know, onerous processes are going to make people cut corners and follow their own processes. You know, effort is a bit like water in a business. It's always going to find the path of resistance. So within system thinking, what we need to be doing is looking at the characteristics of our system and what impact they have on behavior. And as we look to modify that, you know, we look at the system as more than the sum of its parts, but we must look at those individual parts in turn to ladder up to the behavior that we want to achieve. So really, when we talk about it in the context of RevOps, we're talking about a way of problem solving, you know, that shapes the behaviors in your team, um, that deliver favorable outcomes, that deliver the efficiency you want to achieve, that deliver the revenue growth, that deliver the improved customer experience, ultimately that deliver against the fundamental purpose of what your organization is, because that's what RevOps is trying to do, is effectively make all of those things incrementally better. So to consider the system is to consider the people that exist within it and what's shaping what they do. And, you know, for me, it really comes down to the fact that if you look at your business operation and you see many single component parts, in reality, what you are seeing is just one thing. That is the system itself. Um, there's a proverb um, or an ancient story, a teaching about um, blind people feeling an elephant and being able to kind of touch individual parts of that and having a feeling that they know what what they're looking at and of course they're all wrong so it's a it's a proverb i guess about perspective but it's quite similar and quite applicable i think when you talk about the system which is a system is an interconnected set of elements and if you only understand one of those elements or indeed you start to only change one of those elements you might have no effect you might have unintended effects but if you look at all all of the things all of those components that make a system then you can start to modify the behaviors that shape your outcomes so we talk about people processes data and systems a lot but actually another way of looking at the system uh, and, and a way that that in the the thinking and systems book they talk about which makes a huge amount of sense is the three things that contribute to a system are the elements. So this is your people process to data connect technology, the interconnections between them and their function or their purpose. So if we're looking at, looking at a business, you know, we've got those people processes, data and technology. Um, the purpose that they have ultimately is to make money and the interconnections between them are things that are difficult and sort of, you know, sometimes tangible, sometimes intangible, like the flow of data or the documentation of the processes or the operational functions or the way that those functions communicate with each other. And what I think it also shows us is that 
those things can often have competing priorities, competing objectives, and you know they compete for resources, and that's going to govern the way that they work together and uh, the way that they ultimately contribute to that purpose. So, um, really, when we kind of uh, pull all of this together, just to try and I guess summarize some of that without wishing to to kind of disappear too far down the rabbit hole, is that when you look at the systems thinking approach to a business, you need to look at all the component parts, but you need to look at what joins those component parts together. And you need to look at the objectives and the purpose that all of those things have, both as a whole and also singularly. So when we dive into some of those things in some more detail, I think it's worth, I guess, making the link that that point of interconnections particularly is why we don't just have sales operations, marketing operations, service operations. And the the reason it's the fundamental purpose for revenue operations existing is that the interconnecting parts between all of those things contribute to the success of the system. And if you only look at them in isolation, you cannot truly modify behavior for the better. So, I think at that point, I'm going to, uh, as I say, not disappear too far down. We might bring some other parts in, but um, but ultimately, if we relate back to what we're talking, we were talking about in the last podcast, and one particular stat I think that you shared, Charles, which was um, the average business has about a thirty percent technology change rate. So, if I leave with one kind of final point that they make in the Thinking in Systems book, which is changing elements within a system has the least effect on its actual output you know if you change all the players in a football team they're still going to be a football team um and you know that really underlines the importance i think of the system thinking approach that you can't spend your way out of trouble just throwing money at new bits of technology won't fix things you need to look at all of the interconnecting parts and their relationship and their interconnections together and their competing purposes. And that's ultimately, if you have that philosophy and that approach, then you can affect really considerable and meaningful change. So hopefully um, I've managed to do that some degree of justice. Charles, why, why don't we start diving into some of these individual points? You know, when we talk about people uh what is what's your thoughts on kind of that that sort of central part of the system you know how, how does that contribute to the system so basically you can't grow and succeed as a business without people so those people are interacting with each other they have certain responsibilities they interact with customer touch points and they are using technology and data and that is all a system so you may change individual people within that system the analogy with the football team you could change people people will leave other people will join but they will join as part of a system so they will look at that technology and they'll say ah in reality you've probably hired them for their skill set and part of that skill set will be that they've had previous experience with some part of that technology and some elements of that data. So they will come in and they will use it. They may use it slightly differently from the previous person, but in effect, it doesn't change the overall system. It doesn't change 
fundamentally what you're doing. Now, they may be slightly better at it. They may be slightly quicker at it. But does that change the system? And in terms of system thinking, going back up a level, all the time you've got a total system there. You have determined that this total system has certain inputs from your business and eventually delivers revenue because we're talking about revenue up. So it delivers revenue and it delivers profit. That is the objective of the total system. So you can change little bits of it, but is it fundamentally having a change on the total system? But it's key always to look back and go, okay, I'm changing some of the people because I want to improve the skill set. That's a very laudable thing to do. But if you change all the skill sets and you improve those people, in their skill sets, but actually there's a blocker still within the system or the data, you're not going to have the effect that you intend. So again, it, we keep going, we'll keep going back and back to this. It's think about if you change something, if you change a person within the system, what impact does that have? Actually, have you got to change that person and the way they operate the system or the system that they're operating and the data they're looking at to actually have the effect that you're trying to achieve. So all the time, you are, you are manipulating individual elements within the total system, but it's what impact does it have on the total system. So you have to have a vision around that total system. What is it trying to achieve? Then you can go in and amend elements of it and know that actually there's a combined effect that will eventually make the system operate more efficiently, deliver more of whatever you want, more revenue, more customers, more margin. Again, it's, it's knowing what you're trying to achieve and looking at that within the total system. So I'll change these people and this is what it'll have. And I think that's, you know, changing people, like you say, it's a laudable way to try and build the business. But I, I think also it's interesting to kind of talk about when we say changing the people, we don't necessarily mean swapping them out or hiring new people or firing. It's actually how we improve the skill set of the ones that we have in the business, how we improve the operational efficiency of them through personal development and enablement and kind of optimization of uh, the employee experience too, right? Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, you can change people or you can improve the way people do things and train them up. And this is a key element of a, again, of a total system. If the level of expertise of all the people in a system is raised by a certain amount, that should improve the delivery of the total system. Even then, if the processes and the systems don't change. But generally, what you're trying to do all the time is not just change the people or improve the people or train the people. If you train them, the chances are they will use extra elements within the system. So they will use the system in a better way, use the the actual technology in a better way. And that may mean that part of that training process is actually we're not collecting all the data we want. So let's train up our people to be aware of the data they should be collecting. So that means the people collect better data, the better data feeds into the technology, the technology behaves better than it did, and therefore, the overall system improves. So all of these things are highly interconnected. 
you can't just change one thing and it makes a difference. And this is system thinking. This is, okay, my training department, they have an objective of coming in and improving the people. But as a systems thinker, you've got to say, well, if I improve the people, what impact does that have in terms of the technology? Actually, have I got to also, as well as making those people better at what they do, does that mean I'm putting more pressure on the technology? They are trying to get information through quicker than they were before, or they're trying to put more information in. That is stressing my technology, so do I need to upgrade my technology? Now, as the training department coming in, they'll go, we can improve your people. We can make them do things better. But as a systems thinker, you've then got to say, yeah, but in order to, in order to get the advantage from that investment, what else have I got to do within the system? And this is a key thought process that whenever you change something, you say, what is the impact of that change? Right, I know that improving my people could have a big impact on my business, but that impact could be diluted because you haven't made the necessary changes to the system or the data or the measurement, all the other elements that go up to make that system. That measurement point is something that I, I know you you kind of say a lot, Charles, and it, it's so, so true that people will do what they're measured on. And I think that concept, if we relate it back to the sort of theoretical approach we were talking about a minute ago, that's purpose, right? You know, people have purpose shaped by measurement by what they're doing. So that modification of the kind of the people within your business, you know, training is something we, you know, all large, larger businesses have a training department. Every business understands the importance of investing in people. But if you only ever invest based on the measurement and the sort of the paradigm they they exist in, you'll only get a better version of the same thing. So to affect real change, you've also got to look at the purpose of those people and the alignment of purpose across the functions within your organization, I think. Absolutely. And it's that part, If again, it seems like a very simple thing, but it's often missed. Generally, if you're training people, you want them to do things better, quicker, cheaper or generate more revenue these are the sorts of things that that you're trying to do by training your people but how are you going to know when you've trained them that they're actually doing those things so you have to look carefully at your measurement process and say well actually as a result of this training this is what we expect to occur but then you also have to look at the people and go yeah but what are their expectations I'm going to invest some money in this person and I'm going to say to them, well, as a, as a result of this investment, I expect you to deliver 10% more sales. And the person goes, well, hang on, what's in it for me? <laughs> so actually you go, right, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to invest some money in training you. And as a result of that, I expect you to deliver 10% more sales. But as a result of that, I'm actually going to give you a 5% higher bonus. And then everybody's got skin in the game. You're measuring the right things. Everybody wins. And it's that sort of scenario that systems thinking drives you into actually thinking about. So it isn't just, I've trained somebody, things are going to be better. I've trained somebody. They are aware of what I expect them to do as a result of that training. And to make sure they've got skin in the game, 
I have said to them, because I've invested in you, training you, you are now delivering something better for my business. And as a reward, I will do this. Everybody then wins. I think, yeah, that is such a, it's such a sort of good example that because it's something that people do a lot. But then I think when you kind of take that to the next level within a systems thinking um, approach, you think, well, okay, so what I've just done is said, I want you to sell 10% more. What you're also saying is you'll be a failure if you don't, but I'm going to give you some extra money. So I've now got, as you say, skin in the game to do that. But if we don't then take that system thinking approach and think, well, what about fit? What about quality? Have we just weaponized that salesperson to go and sell anything to all and sundry just to hit the revenue number? And are we then creating a huge downstream effect um, on our onboarding team where they're going to be onboarding rubbish on profitable business? So again, taking that kind of RevOps approach, we don't just think, what's the incentive structure? What's the target? What's the training they need to achieve that? But actually, how are we measuring, ensuring that when that measurement is 10% more of the right people coming in and in a time period that's reasonable based on a measurement of the data or based on an investment in marketing that we're going to make on getting things into the right place? Um, you know, it's it's that total contributing element of um what are we doing together as a business to contribute to our overall purpose? And that's back to the systems thinking to say, what is a better business? As a business, what am I trying to achieve? Am I trying to achieve more quality customers that each generate more revenue or just more customers? Mm -hmm. And it's that whole quality piece. And again, having taken that down to a sort of low-level example, Chris is very clearly said actually you've got to take that up to a higher level what impact does changing those two or three things there have back on to the total system and this is where the systems thinking comes in and says as an organization my target audience is this i'm trying to sell you know what are you trying to sell are you trying to sell low volume high value to quality businesses or are you trying to sell lots of volume, low value. And it's about knowing what you're actually trying to do as a business and therefore aligning across the people, processes, technology. And at the moment, we're talking about the people and, and what impact you could have there, but there's, there are all those other elements. Every time you change something, you can have an impact on another part of the system. And it's about thinking that through and making sure you don't have unintended impacts. You always have impacts that you intend within the system absolutely and i think that's probably a really good segue into talking about processes because you know we have people and the processes we ask them to follow are you know one of those behavior shapers that we talked about earlier on so maybe let's just run that example through so you know we we want them to generate 10 percent more revenue we've invested in their training and them as as a component within the system we know that we want to ensure that we maintain quality well process is our instrument for the maintenance of quality isn't it so that then comes down okay well what's my qualification process you know how do i track that within crm how do i spot those quality trends happening before they have that detrimental downstream effect and modify the behavior so it becomes about data and reporting as well again totally interconnected very difficult to talk about one element without 
in turn speaking almost you know instantaneously about the rest of them but so you know let, let's dig into processes a bit charles you know how do we kind of holistically consider processes and that that again you know we will repeat this sort of thing over and over again about the system so a process basically is a set of steps there are lots of steps to get from one end of a system to another so actually there's a lot of opportunity in within all those steps to do something that is illogical or to not gather the correct data or to move on to a step because you're trying to get through the something through the system quickly before you've actually completed the previous step. So again, in terms of system thinking, you've trained all these people. Now, how are you going to efficiently get them to do the various steps in the sales process? So taking an example there, when does a marketing qualified lead become a sales qualified lead? There is a process around that, which is not purely data capture. It is people asking questions. It is people taking a point of view as to whether that particular customer is ready and able to move from I'm interested to I actually want to buy. And that is a process. And that is a process that needs to be agreed between your marketing department and your sales department. Because if your marketing department deliver leads into your sales department and they go, these are a load of rubbish, they won't do anything with them. So it is really key that you understand the whole of the process that underlines what you're doing. That process is undoubtedly supported by systems. So we're back into the total systems thinking approach says, I've got people, they are doing things, the things they are doing are defined in processes. And within those processes, they will have to Part of those processes will be they are interacting with a system. They are putting data into a system. They are moving something from one status to another within a system. They are even, those systems are connected to other systems. So the marketing system is connected to the CRM system. The CRM system is connected to your back-end systems where you do your onboarding. Hopefully, they're connected really efficiently, but often they're not. Sometimes you'll have a process to actually move stuff from one system to another, a manual process. Again, whenever you're improving things, you need to look at not just how good are the people at doing this, but are the processes actually helping or hindering these people? If they become more experienced at doing something or more highly qualified at doing something, but they then look at the process and go, this is not a very good process, they will very quickly become demoralized. They think, I've gone to all this effort to train myself up, and now I'm being restricted by this awful process. Now, obviously, the, the question is, if you train people up, you make them better at what they do, part of the reasoning is then, let them look at their own processes and say, how can we improve these processes as well? Yeah. But as a systems thinker, you look at the whole, you know, am I actually doing the right thing? Yeah, the it, two points kind of jump out to me on that, which is you almost go back to people and you say, well, to get someone to follow a process where we're doing this lead qualification process better, well, what do we need to do? Well, we probably need to not just incentivize them on sales. We need to incentivize them on process adherence and getting all the right data into the right places at the right time. But we also need to 
really understand the fact that you know, processes or systems, should I say, are dynamic. You know, they start to change themselves. So this sort of process management piece. So yeah, so we're talking about kind of well, the, the system itself being dynamic. Um, it, it starts to modify itself over time as things change. So, you know, there's a uh, Perhaps aside to rev- revenue operations, we talk about the pro- business process management almost as a school of thought. And really what that just accepts is that processes have got to change over time. As people get better, as the component parts that contribute to the process change, the process has got to modify to uh, keep getting better, to keep driving efficiency, but to keep being relevant. And, you know, I think this goes back to right the way to our first podcast when we talked about the fact that revenue operations is not a project, it's a function. And the reason it's function is because it's got to keep changing stuff over time. So processes very much kind of interconnected there with with everything else. Um, let's move on and just talk about technology and data, shall we, as a topic. Um, in the current market, there are so many different pieces of technology out there which can contribute to uh, the the delivery of these kind of processes, I guess. Um, so let, let's talk about the tech element, Charles. Oh, well, the tech element, um, this is always, everybody has their favorite pieces of tech. So you can go on there and you can say, okay, what's the best CRM system? Well, they're all the best CRM system, aren't they? So HubSpot is the best CRM system or Salesforce was the best CRM system or Adobe is the best CRM system, generally it depends on what you've used before and what you're used to. Because, again, coming back to the people thing, if a person has used HubSpot for the last five years and never used Salesforce, their chances of getting a better result out of Salesforce than they do out of HubSpot is quite remote because they would need to be retrained. That doesn't stop you necessarily from changing from one to the other, but you need to have a good reason to do it. You need to be filling in a big chunk of missing capability. You shouldn't just do it because one's cheaper than the other or one appears or to be better than the other. it's not working, in inverted or commas. it's not working. All technology works if you push it hard enough. So a lot of the stuff... I have done in my past lives has been about going in and looking at a tech stack and saying, well, actually, the biggest problem with a tech stack is it will have been developed over time. It will have things in that are specific to that organization. It will have been customized over time in order to make things work better. If you replace a big chunk of technology with another big chunk of technology, you lose all that customization. So in general terms, you go backwards. (laughs) Now, again, I wouldn't say that's a reason not to do it because also technology moves forward in big leaps. So we all know that during COVID, everything has gone online. Everything has gone into the cloud. So if you've got a piece of technology that is 20 years old and doesn't actually integrate very well with the cloud, you could have problems with maintenance over time. But again, it's looking at the whole thing holistically and going, right, as a group of people operating these processes, what are the best lumps of technology to enable me to do that? Some of your tech stack will be working perfectly well. And you go, actually, that bit, I really like that. That can do a bit more for me, which means this thing over here 
which I'm not very happy about, can do a bit less for me. So actually, all I need to do is move the interface a little bit, and that will actually improve the overall process. Now then, does that mean I've got to change the process? If I move that interface back, so this piece of data is moving from there to there, but actually at an earlier point in the process, have I now got to amend the process to take that into account? Are the people who I'm expecting to use this piece of technology, are they happy with doing that extra piece of work that I have now built into this piece of technology that they're looking at, as opposed to the other piece of technology that somebody else is looking at? So for, for me, you know, when we talk about technology, one of the things that is probably spoken about less than it should be in the context of revenue operations, at least, is actually the user experience. You know, one thing that I've always found time and again when we come to implementing HubSpot within a system for a customer, particularly if they've been on something like Salesforce or, or you know, Microsoft Dynamics or something before, then it's actually the ease with which they can use the system, how pleasant the system is to use, you know, how easy it is to understand what they need to do that has a far bigger sort of contributing effect on the success of the system than actually having more functionality. You know, Salesforce is case in point. Salesforce theoretically will do anything if you spend enough money with consultants. But if it's so buried and so impenetrable and so dependent on them understanding exactly how it works to enable you to use it, it might as well not be there, wouldn't you say? And, and yeah, this is absolutely key that the, the, the user experience or the user interface actually is is easy, I mean, it sounds silly, but it's easy for people to use. You don't want it to be a hindrance because what will happen is if people find it difficult to engage with the system, they will do things on the side. They will make up their own processes. And this is a really tricky thing to pick up because functionally, whatever you're using could have all the functions in you want. You could have written the, the process that enables people to use those functions and you can have the people trained up to do it but if they find it difficult to do they will find workarounds and those workarounds won't be in your process so it's going to be really difficult for you to measure them because you don't necessarily know they exist people always find the easiest way through a system if you tell people to definitely collect these 10 pieces of information They'll collect those 10 pieces of information, and that's all they'll collect because that's what you've told them to do. And in fact, you might need 15 pieces of information. It's, again, it's, it's working your way through all these things and saying, what is it that I'm actually trying to achieve? How am I going to achieve it? What is the system, the process, the people? How can I make it more efficient? And that's not just efficiency as a system. That's efficiency as a process that's making it easier for people to actually do so they don't then find their own workarounds. You don't want people writing stuff down in a book at the side of the system in order to get through the system. You need to make it easy for them to interact. That's what will make them more efficient. Absolutely. So look, I, I think that's probably a good place to just sum up a little bit on today and uh, and close out this episode. So 
let's sum this up into perhaps a few points. So if we're looking at, if you're looking at deploying a systems thinking approach, and if you are looking at deploying a revenue operations function within your business, you absolutely should be looking at a systems thinking approach, is you need to really understand purpose. You know, why are we doing what we're going to do? That's why any revenue operations discovery project starts with you know, just that. It's what are your objectives? But you need to just not look at that in a binary way. You need to consider what's not just the purpose of the organization, but the purpose of each function and the purpose of the individuals that work within those functions. And you need to understand, do all of those things actually align and ladder up to what you're trying to achieve overall as an organization? You need to look at the elements within the system, people, processes, technology, data, and you really need to understand the interrelationship between all of them. And then finally, yeah, the interconnecting parts between all of those elements. That's where the magic lies, because if you can make that connecting tissue stronger, if you can make data pass more seamlessly, if you can make communication between the people in your business more seamless, uh, if you can align them on so many levels from, you know, process to relationships to, you know, purpose, then you can achieve great, great things. So system thinking really in a nutshell is about creating that alignment across every component within the system and that system is your business and the and the purpose of that business so let's leave that one there for today hopefully that has brought to life system thinking in a little bit more detail and as uh, we said at the start we would really encourage you to read more about it because you know what charles and i can do in 30 minutes uh, pales into insignificance compared to kind of reading some of the text at source and say so to that end what we'd love to do on this one is actually give away one of our favorite books on systems thinking which is thinking in systems by Danella meadows and to win that uh, all you've got to do is go on to the RevOps Lab LinkedIn page. So just search RevOps Lab in your LinkedIn search bar. On there, you're going to see a post about the podcast. And all we really need you to do on there is comment, and we will pick someone at random and direct message you to arrange delivery of the book. So that leaves me just to say thank you, Charles, for your input and insight. Uh, as ever, it's been wonderful. And we'll see you all in the next episode. Thanks, everybody. 